You know, I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about it all the time. Please, it's terrible. No, it's not. I know June. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty. Thanks. I wore it just for you. Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. What about you? Your girlfriend is a badass. Welcome to Above the Garage, a Nick and June, The Handmaid's Tale podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome to our deep dive into season two, episode three of The Handmaid's Tale, which is entitled Baggage. This episode is intended for longtime fans because we're going to talk about the show in the context of the show to date, which is through season four. So there'll be lots of spoilers. And um, let's do our round of introductions and then dive in. Hi, I'm Megan. Hi, I'm Scarlett. Hi, I'm Yulia. And I'm Kate. Anyone want to start? I can. It's actually uh, something right at the beginning of the Perfect. episode. Yes. Um, when June was listening to this tape recording, um, this guy, I think his name was Lars or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. He's talking about this Facebook group, uh, like which is obvious, obviously like Sons of Jacob fa- Facebook group that was set up and he became a member of. And yeah. that kind of reminded me of, if you really look closely in, in the fourth season on Twello's yep. whiteboard. Uh-huh. Right, <laughs> you, his murder and, board. Yeah, on, on, on his murder board. And especially on the part about Nick, you see um, like a clipping of a Facebook conversation mm-hmm. between yeah. like members of probably this group he was talking about. Wait, so you're telling me you zoomed in on Nick's uh, just murder Of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm still a little salty that his driver's license is unreadable. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I zoomed in too. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't see. <laughs> but yeah, that's a very good point. That's what I thought of when they said the Facebook thing too. But I didn't think to make a note of it. I always get in that what you were saying about Lars saying that... Um, how he got into the group was because they said he they wanted to clean up the economy and they wanted chill you know to help children from mm-hmm. bad homes and I'm yeah. like it always sounds like it's a good idea until they change it on you you know yeah. sounds like all that sounds good and I think that's how Nick got in it too obviously yeah it's also it, it's also kind of a like a little nod to Nick because he was still a very young man as well when he got recruited so he he's right. like he's he was in a bad position his family was in a bad position he was young he was he could could have been one of this like kids the sons of Jacob wanted to help you know right I mean it just it just shows you you know how easy it was to lure people on a mm-hmm. false promise and then they changed the game on you right yeah when you're already in too deep you know it's gonna be a they're gonna clean up the economy they're going to or clean up the environment and get the economy back on track and who wouldn't want to be a part of that right yeah they're saying what people want to listen to you know so Mm -hmm. that's easy it's also easy right one of this newspaper headlines also read old-fashioned group raises new hope right exactly they get them on the hope yeah and they realize it's not that yeah, and then it clashes to the soldier we were talking about, you know, within a week you're forced to do, like, once the violent takeover happened, like, there's no going away from there. 
Like you were there, you had to comply or die. And before that, right. like I picture if Nick was at the violent takeover, it's not like he could have turned around and left. They would have killed him. No. So of course. It, no. And if he was there, did he know what they were doing? I mean, no, yeah. you don't know these things. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden sh- shit could have hit the fan and then you're in it. Right. I mean, what do you, what do you do? I was just kidding. It, they show very clearly what a like good heart he has, you know? Um, so right. we all are very confident that he didn't enter into any killing situation uh, knowingly, right? No. It's comply or die, like you said. And they tried to right. show us that in episode uh, eight, right? Season mm-hmm. one. Season mm-hmm. one, episode eight. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people just don't understand the significance of them writing an entire episode about this, you know? It goes back to that people just can't feel empathetic for people in those situations. It's always, I would never do this. And right. that's generally, it's those who kind of lack empathy, who think that way. They right. think it's black and white and there is no gray area. They don't realize that a lot of times in situations like these, like we've always mentioned, it it's comply or die. And you don't know what decision you would make until that was in front of you. And before that, it was, I can't pay the rent for my dad and I can't feed right. my dad and my brother and they're dying and I need a job. So you want me to drive for the sons of Jacob, whoever that is? Okay, sure. Yeah. You know, like it was never, uh, I hate women and I would like to join this group. And <laughs> yeah, it wasn't at all that. I'm pretty sure the group was not handing out brochures saying that, you right. know, it just, it's, it's uh, also a matter of people not understanding that these things have happened throughout history. You just study a little bit about history and propaganda and you kind of figure out how things happen. It's not, I joined because I wanted to, like if, if, if it were as easy to say, I'm not going to do this, I'm out, then things like this wouldn't have happened throughout history. It would never happen. Right. But it happens. It's propaganda. They're all about the hook. They're all about the Mm -hmm. hook. And they're good at it. Like price was Mm -hmm. great. He identified Nick perfectly. This is a perfect target, a smart guy family you know all he cares about his family he is needs the money desperately to keep his family alive i'm going to go after him and it worked mm-hmm. i mean even even like women like started to follow them i mean we see this nurse at some point who mm-hmm. like when when june is about to give birth and she said praise be i mean right they were slowly infiltrating we, we've seen it throughout you know the first season how little by little people yeah kind of started popping up right like in the first episode of the season i think is when hannah was sick and at the hospital that woman was also Mm -hmm. like that you know the social worker you're right they just popping up all the time in these pre-gilead flashbacks well when june's talking her voice first voice over she says women are so adaptable and it's truly amazing what we can get used to and you know she's standing by the memorial obviously throughout the episode we see in these first scenes that she's very adapted to her kind of quote unquote domestic life with Nick. And then it flashes to, to Moira in the same memorial and we see how she's struggling and she's not adapting to her life in Canada. Yeah. And then we flash forward to season four, how, you know, Moira is already adapted to her life in Canada and June cannot adapt to her life in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had, sex after Gilead and the different ways that everybody deals with it. Cause even after Emily gets out, you know, she says, I'm still not uh, sleeping with Sylvia. 
And then we see Moira in this trauma at the club and we see June do some questionable, um, Mm -hmm. make some questionable sexual choices um, in the fourth season. But she still manages to have this incredible sexual relationship with Nick. And I think it's, I don't know if we see any other like healthy sexual relationships in the show. I I mean, I hate Steven, that guy in the fourth season. always just gross janine seems happy but i don't know i'm not on board with that one well at least you said i'm not gonna force you <laughs> i oh <guess>. please <laughs> i mean but but i, I mean what is it i starve to death or <laughs> yeah exactly it was forced yeah but <laughs> i'm not gonna you know be violent about it thank you so nice. I was horrified yeah. when he, that was on the table and I thought she was going to do it. And she's like, just come from Nick, you know, on the bridge. And she couldn't do it. And Steven wants her to give him a blowjob. And I was like, oh God, I was very upset. And thank God she was like, I can't. Yeah. But I just, you know, obviously coming after out of being serially raped or even raped once, it's so hard to find your sexual comfort zone so I and it's really nice that June kind of had that with Nick off the bat and feels safe with him I think we talked about that Scarlett you talked about that in the last episode yeah and it's nice that Moira eventually has Una and she seemed happy what else you guys got when we see in the red center that June sees that her mom is in the colonies it caught my attention that the colony looked different from the colony we saw in the episode before that was really dry really brown there was a tree that seemed pretty much alive behind Holly. So it gave me the impression that she wasn't in, in a radioactive colony. And then the next slide that pops up is they're talking about farming. And I hope, you know, that she's alive. And then I remember an interview where they said that they wanted Sherry Jones, which is the actress who plays Holly. They had her for season four, but because of COVID, they couldn't film the scenes that they had written for her. So they never said if it was a flashback or if it was just, you know, something else. But, mm. you know, it kind of gave me hope that maybe Holly's still alive and kicking somewhere. I hope so, too. Yeah, I think there's a possibility. I do, too. I mean, to use Cherry Jones. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. To use her again. It would just be so amazing to see them together now that they're so similar, you know? Yeah. And kind of sad if you never get to see that because they'd be badasses. And I want Holly to see what a badass June is. Yeah. Oh, she'd be so proud of her. Let's not miss this opportunity. Yeah, she would. Let Holly see what June turned into. So do we feel like she's still there or that she got out? You, I would say she'd have probably gotten out by now. She, I guess my dream scenario would be she runs into her fighting, you know, in the resistance when she goes back in season five, if she goes back in season five. So you think she's in Gilead, but in the uh, rebel area? Yeah. I mean, she... She's not going to go live happily in Canada, no. much like her daughter, June. But I had the same thought, Scarlett, when the, when the scene popped up. Like, that was not the colony that I was used to because they had us there the whole mm. last episode. And it was a very desolate, depressing, mm. awful place. And there's radioactive signs everywhere. And this felt different. It was just like a white bag without any radioactive sign. She looked healthy. Uh, like you said, there's a tree. So there's definitely hope for Holly, mm-hmm. the mom. And then I, just as far as her escapes, you know, this happens a few times throughout the show where she's having to make the decision. Do I leave Hannah? Do I, is there any chance of me getting Hannah out from Mm. here? Is there a better chance for me getting Canada? Can I live with the guilt of being free while my daughter's not free? It's such a heavy 
thing to think about that I can't imagine. Because yeah, right now sitting here, I say, I wouldn't go, right? I'd never be able to leave Gilead with my daughter there. But who actually knows the decision that you would make? Yeah, but also everyone is like around her is telling her, um, Hannah is better off without you in Gilead. I mean, leave her alone. Yeah, like she's okay for I, I now. Mean, yeah, I mean, Serena said it uh, like in, in the last episode of season one, like uh-huh. she's she's with a nice family. She's happy. Nick says it's better for Hannah if you leave. Yeah. We we got like Aunt Lydia and when she when June tries to get out um Hannah at the beginning of season three, like the reason why she like can't leave with um Nicole. Uh-huh. She made it complicated for Hannah. She traumatized her, like showing up there. Right. When she meets her at the end of season two in the in the summer house, I mean she she scares her as well. Yeah. And and obviously in season four when they put Hannah in this glass box in this glass yeah. box and she, like she, there's so much trauma and so much things June makes complicated for her and it's just right like, I mean it's just it's just it's sad to see that that those people who who told her that it's better if she if she stays out of Hannah's life are kind of right because right exactly yeah. every time At she's She's just traumatized her every time. Yeah. And I'm not saying I wouldn't do the same thing because I would. I it's <laughs> everyone would. I, right. I mean, yeah. Every mother would do the same, but it's so it's even more heartbreaking to see that. It's interesting that she makes the decision to go. And then at the end of this season, she makes the decision not to go to to stay here for Hannah. But maybe it's merely that the baby is not in her body anymore so you know the baby can now go to Canada without her which obviously I've said this before I think it's insane that she didn't take her own baby there Hmm. (laughs) but it's okay it's a show she she I think she doesn't leave Hannah because it it was so heavy for her to make that decision in those woods you know in that parallel that's where she was taken and here's where I am leave deciding to leave her that I think that scarred her enough not to want to leave Hannah and like as you said it was easier because Holly was already safe in Canada so I I think it comes to that phrase like if you love something you set it free Mm -hmm. you know she's she's she has to leave Hannah because she's better off is she better off she's going to be married to a commander so I think that's why she decides to come back and tries to rescue her but you know she decides to leave Holly you know and stay behind for Hannah I know that a lot of people you know like you said didn't understand her decision but but I think it's that you know just it's a really hard decision for any mother to make and I think it was because she was just fresh off of seeing her and knowing where she is mm-hmm. and I think a part of her felt like I can get her like I really think she thought I know where she is I know where she lives at the end of season two yeah, yeah. right and then that's why she made the decision to stay in hand um because she was close. too um, yeah because she was that close she felt mm-hmm. that close and in right. season yeah. right now, she hasn't seen. Yeah, yeah. she didn't. She, right now, she has not, you know, well, seen she except, saw her at the school right yeah, on the steps. But but she doesn't know where she was. She drove her two right. hours away and didn't let her know. You know, she does not know where she is. So, yeah, that right. makes sense, too. She feels more accessible. Yeah. But then in season three, they completely cut her off from Hannah. You know, right. once they killed the Martha, she she lost all contact. And I think that's like in part why she loses her. Her mind and decides to just do this crazy angel's flight 
scenario just just for payback that's you know she i think she had given up on finding hannah i do think it's interesting when they ask her why she did it did it it's just to make them hurt it's never Mm -hmm. for the children it's not to save these families it's to i want to hurt them the way they hurt me she is vengeful bitch and i love her i'm here for it i also probably saw the urge to get hannah out at the beginning of season three or the end of season two mm-hmm. was also um maybe because of eden's death because mm-hmm. i mean yeah hannah is about to become a teenager and will go through the same phase as eden like we all we all have been teenagers we all know like how hormones and all those stuff works yeah and she didn't she definitely didn't want like hannah to end up like eden like to have to marry some man she doesn't love or some person she doesn't love and mm-hmm. be forced into the same yeah position yeah so i think that that also like added to the urge that she definitely needed to get to hannah and at this point like when she was with like lawrence right lawrence knew where she was like where hannah was living mm-hmm. at this point right so yeah so she just grabbed this straw and was like okay i get her out now it's the best t- chance I have. It'd be interesting to see, like, at this age, how, I don't know, Hannah's like 11 now in season mm. four, season five. I don't know. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But, but like you said, the fact that every single meeting with her mom has been so terribly traumatizing, mm-hmm. I, it would be interesting to know if she would even go with June if she had the opportunity now. But God, it's also heartbreaking to think of. So we shall move on. Uh, so yeah it was interesting this conversation between um heather so omar's wife this econo wife econo wife uh-huh. and and june especially because like when when heather said that they threatened fertile woman with becoming a handmaid yeah and that's exactly what happens it's gonna happen to her yeah oh, it's so sad man this show is really good at breaking my heart over and over again and breaking june in this case but yeah and and Heather had said I would die first, right? Mm-hmm. Before I'd let my kid be taken away. And June said, I used to think that too. So um, we don't see what happens to her. We know that her child is taken away and she becomes a handmaid. So I'm thinking that she learned, unfortunately, like June, that, that there's no choice. That's not true. You, there's no choice. Yeah. And, and you'll, you'll do what you need to to live. Yeah, I was, I was actually taken aback by June's comment that she used to think this as well because I was trying to think about the situation she was actually thinking that I see that like after she sees Omar's body uh-huh. like rest in peace Omar now we can say it as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I accidentally said that in the uh, spoiler free version <laughs> and I was <laughs> corrected thank you yeah so like this situation and the blame on Lydia puts on her and mm-hmm. um all the things she's like seen happening because of her supposedly yeah that's when she loses touch yeah loses touch and also uses the um, drive to stay alive but right. I have I haven't really had before like in like the image that she wanted to die before did you I think that's something that anyone would say you know like if somebody were going to take your kid it's like I'd rather die right I'd die before I'd let that happen I think it's just her saying that, you know, like, like that I would never do this kind of thing. It's like what most people would say. That's the way that I took it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and you would probably would want to die, but would you actually go through with it? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, we feel like, oh, I'd rather cease to exist if something like that happened. But I mean, if there was a gun to your head, right. I I, I think you'd be like, okay, what do I have to do? Don't kill me. To live. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's an emotional thing to say. And Mm -hmm. like we've been talking about, she's also staying alive for Hannah. So yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's what I was like there's no one who's going to rescue your kid if you're dead. Yeah, if you die. So you yeah. actually just have to become a handmaid. I have the parallel of the line you said, I waited before and I swore I'd never do that again, which parallels to um, episode seven when she's in the car with Luke and um, they're discussing that she obviously wanted to leave as soon as she lost her job. So I think that's kind of like a parallel to that. It's a small one. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what she's talking about. She's saying, like, as the world was, you know, falling around me, we kept thinking, okay, it's going to get better. And, mm-hmm. and especially um, being with Luke, like, we, we've seen his personality many times throughout the episodes, just how much he's like a wishful thinking. Everything's going to be okay. Let's focus on the positive kind of person. And then that, rubbed off on June you know mm-hmm. and you even I you even see that in this episode again when he's talking about there's some troops on the border and he says they're gonna invade uh Gilead and he sounds so confident like this is like true he's very good at lying to himself and believing it because that's what he wants there's nothing you know I'm not saying there's anything wrong with him trying to focus on the positive either but that is what I think she's talking about when she says you know I waited too long once and I'm never going to do it again. Right. And Luke's still like waiting though, you know, Luke's still waiting and hoping that something changes. Yeah. He, ne- he never changes. And June knows better now. June yeah. knows better. That's a difference because, you know, pre-Gilead, she was very much like Luke, like, oh yeah, it's all roses. Everything's right. great. As long as you say it is. And now she's like, you know, F that. No, right. that's not. And Luke's still like, it's great. We'll just put it behind us. We'll go, you know, to Fenway and grab a beer, you know, and it's, she's definitely went through a lot more than he has because she's completely changed. I mean, he's suffered too, but it hasn't affected him as deeply as June. She's not able to keep that positive um, move forward type of frame of mind. She kind of really got hit by reality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of amazing that Luke has remained so unchanged. I'm just thinking about like just his entire like personality and the way he interacts and jokes and it's all the same, like even throughout all the years. Uh, coping I mean, mechanism. It's his coping mechanism. Yeah, it's a coping. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Yeah. yeah. And June is confronting it like, no, this is not how it is. It's not all roses. That's mm-hmm. not how I'm going to cope. Right. I'm going to fight. I'm going to get angry. This right. sucks. And that's how she copes. Everybody copes differently. What's her quote in season four about being angry? Why can't, why why can't, can't we, we be as angry as we feel? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I loved it when I heard it. It's a valid emotion. It's so her. Mm-hmm. And anger is a valid emotion. We need it. It helps us make decisions. It's always seen negatively, but no. I think obviously you can't live in anger, but mm. I think pushes you it moves you right you know so also anger it's like yeah I mean there's different different outlets of anger mm-hmm. I mean you can be angry without destroying or hurting yeah anyone else 
Yeah. So a complete lack of anger, um, like on Luke's part in that car, when he's saying like, Fred's going to get off and you just need to accept it. I forget the exact words. I don't, I just bugged me so much that he's not got any anger, even after all that, you know, right. at Fred for serially raping his wife. Oh, where's the, where's the rage, Luke? Just a little bit, please. And we, we've seen Luke really, really angry when, um, oh, yeah, when the Waterfords visited Canada. Like it was total opposite. Or even at his wife, Annie. Yes. I mean, hello. Annie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He went to town on that voicemail. That was nuts. <laughs> that was so mean. Yeah. But it was a voicemail. Yeah. Like it was intense. Like when you hear the words, because I saw that episode yesterday. But then he's doing it on voicemail. Like, okay, dump her through text. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's just weird. Um, I got a lot from that scene for the next episode. But yeah, yeah. The other only thing that I had was something about religion in the episode. I like the way Toots religions were presented in the in the episode when she's looking at the Salem sign, which obviously I'm gonna love. <laughs> It's kind of like an ode to the Salem witch trials. Um, we know what happened in the Salem witch trials in the 1600s. You know, all those mm-hmm. women that were falsely accused of witchcraft because they didn't fall in line with what society wanted. And that line that he, Omer says, you know, are you a good witch or a bad witch? And yeah. she says, it depends on who's asking. And then fast forward to, you know, the fact that Omer was a Muslim. I think it was presented also, you know, in a very nice way, because June gets very emotional. And, you know, there's a lot of misinformation in that religion. So the fact that he's helping her, and he's Muslim, and the fact that she gets really emotional when she sees the Quran and and the prayer, you know, it's something really nice, because religions don't have to be negative. It doesn't matter what you believe in, you know, they're supposed to be food for the soul. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that they're used and how people interpret them and how they're used to control and to create wars and all that. So I, I like that they presented that in, in a very peaceful, there's a lot of light in that window as well when she's having that moment. And, yeah. I, and I thought it was it was a really beautiful scene, kind of like a, an ode to that. Yeah, and it comes on the heels of the end of the last episode where she's praying um, very like genuinely, mm-hmm. not a Gilead nonsense, you know, scripted, repeat these words it's her actually like talking to God. And you remember, you know, she's mentioned a couple of times that she was Catholic and I, it's just genuine religion versus Gilead religion. I think it's more spirituality. We talked about this before. June's very spiritual. Nick is also very spiritual. Um, we see it in Eden as well. It's not the hypocrisy in Gilead where everybody sees everybody praying and they need that validation mm-hmm. as we're doing the right thing by forcing others and, and saving them. Like this is something, you know, June is praying because that's what she feels she, she needs in that moment for the people that died there. She's not even doing it for herself. She's doing it, right. you know, for the people that died there. So it's, it's really beautiful the way that they present that, the contrast. Agreed. And then back to June, she did not escape. Who turned... Her in what was it the girl on the train? Yeah, I think right. it was the girl on the train, right? Well, yeah. What was but, uh, where were where were when? Omar and Heather and Adam mm-hmm. too? Right. I, I feel like I I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like her looking out that window and standing behind, ah! like, always at that well, curtain was like. Oh, yeah, I mean it well, could this... be both. I mean that woman on the train just seemed so like, or maybe she tipped him off where she was yeah. going. 
And maybe both, kind of. Maybe yeah. both, yeah. The safe house was already compromised right. before she got to Omar's house. So that was just a, the first hiccup in the plan. Mm. Um, and obviously, we can assume that Omar and his family are captured. Uh, if they would have talked fast, I think somebody mentioned this in the rewatch, they would have grabbed her before she left because she waited three hours. Mm. Um, so they didn't talk fast or maybe they didn't grab them fast or they, I don't know, because it, it took a while for, for her to actually get to the airstrip as well. And eventually they zeroed in. So somebody had to talk. Like, I don't know if Omar knew what was, yeah, he knew, he knew she was going to go to the he airstrip. Knew, yeah. So, mm. so it had to, had been him because nobody else knew that she was going to go to the airstrip. Right. So I would assume that because they tortured him and threatened his family, eventually he he said what the plan was and, and they unfortunately caught her. Caught yeah, her. that makes sense. It makes a lot right, of sense. Right, that does. I don't think somebody was following her. I don't think. No, I don't she think would have so. Known. It was notable to me in this episode that she's in the plane. You, It's taking off. It really feels like she's going to get there in this episode. And then the gunshots happen and no, no go coming back down and then in at the end of season three uh they try very hard to get all these kids out and she's been shot and is laying on the ground and the last thing that she sees is this plane actually taking off into canada and i love that parallel because she didn't get out but she saved how many kids 86 yeah and rita and it's just I love the end of season three. It's amazing. So if this plane had to go down, it was worth it because look at all the people she got out. Yes, that's very true. So I have two favorite lines. Uh, Episode three has a lot to do with um, June's mother and with motherhood. And two of my favorite lines are raise your daughter to be a feminist. And she spends all her time waiting to be rescued by men when she's by the plane. I I love that line. Mm. And at the end, when the plane's leaving, Uh, She says, no mother is ever completely a child's idea of what a mother should be. And I suppose it works the other way around. I wish my mother were here so I could tell her I finally know this so I could tell her I forgive her. And that always makes me think to that complicated relationship she had that we saw in this episode where you kind of see Holly disappointed in June's indifference to fight. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of hard to watch. Especially, yeah, it's pretty clear. Yeah, it's, it was hard to watch when she like walks in with her, you know, her Stepford mm-hmm. wife clothes. She wasn't married yet. But, right. And she's telling her about her job, you know, in the uh, as a book editor. And she quickly cuts her off and says like, well, Moore was doing this. Um, I think it was a program. It had something to do with a program for software. For software. Your... Thank you. Um, and then she has a conversation about Luke, you know, and, and not wanting her to get married. And June kind of has that realization and she tells her this line, which I was talking to Melissa about it the other day, which says like, it's not the time to play house. It's the time to fight. And, you know, that made me think of season four when she's leaving to go kill Fred. Yes. And she's looking at the window and she sees Luke and Moira and Holly. Oh my God, that's the best. And she kind of realizes that, you know, she can't really play house. And like she has, like season three says, mama's got work. Yeah, I think, you know, I always think that June had this kind of resentment towards her mom. I know we see it when when she gives birth, when they show the flashback when she's giving birth to Hannah, because um, Mm -hmm. she's saying that she's not going to come, you know, like she was kind of expecting her mother not to come. And obviously we see that Holly was always fighting, always, you know, and June wanted more of what she didn't have, you know, like that 
family life. Right. But it's weird because June was never a traditional woman, you know, like when she's picking up Hannah from the hospital, they kept telling Miss Ben Cole and she's like, no, it's Osborne. You know, she had that fight and that non-traditional, but yet she was willing to settle, which is very inconsistent. But I guess it's part of, of that, that, that not fight. She wasn't fighting with her mom. Like, it's not a fight. It's just like, and it's not like a competition either, but it's like when your mom, uh, when your mom wants you to do something and you want to go the opposite way. I think that in this episode, she realizes that, you know, her mom was right, you know, and I think it's something that she, she will follow through, you know, we'll see it in the next, in the next seasons as well, that her mother was right. She even says it. I think she says it in this episode that she was right. She knew that something was coming. Yeah. And she's like, no, she knew. She knew she was right. Exactly. exactly. And she was. I have something here about resentment. I mean, she definitely resents her because she says, I forgive you, mom, which admits that you did not before. Yeah, I noticed that in that in the scene when she's birthing Hannah, because I don't think in this episode you really, you just see that June wanting to do her own thing, but she's still going against her mother's wishes, but she's doubting herself. At the end of that scene, she's kind of like second guessing if she has to marry Luke or not like that's what she wants to do but she's listening to her mom so it's just very weird to me how she kind of still settled and and felt comfortable into that but then I also think you know when she says you know no mother has ever completed child's idea and it's vice versa I also think she feels guilty because she failed Hannah because she was complacent she failed Hannah yeah so it that's she did you know Uh, I just they both failed Hannah unfortunately yeah but she's going to do better by fixing the world. Trying. She says it when she leaves in the plane, too. I try to do something better. Oh, yeah. I think something like that. No, that was when she fought for Janine, or didn't stone Janine. Oh, okay. Yeah. True, 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 true. Claudia also pointed out, I can't remember if we talked about this, but at the Boston Globe in episode three, when June says, what about Hannah, after he said that she's going to leave soon? Or they're going to get her out soon. And she says, what about Hannah? And he looks really sad and like, kind of like he feels like a failure. And I think that that moment, like Claudia said, probably stuck with him forever from that point forth. And that's a big part of why he's working so hard to get the Hannah information after June's left and he will never see her again. He's still like, what can I do to help her? Obviously Hannah. So he works really hard at that because he couldn't before and now he's gained the power and he's able to do so. That's true. And adding to that, we can also talk about season two when he has to drive her and he actually sees her with Hannah. I mean, that had to. I think that was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that also he realized, you know, it's not an idea. She's real now. It's kind of like when he sees Luke, it's not an idea. I don't know if he knew if she told him about Luke or not. I think it's the book. He knows about Luke one way or another. He knows about Luke because he knows about Hannah. And, and you know, they talked a lot more than we saw. I think we mentioned it mm-hmm. a little briefly recently, but they spent nights together. They spent two months at the Globe together. They talked a lot more than we saw because this is a TV show. So people that say they don't know each other at all, uh, that's not true. Yeah, no, that's definitely not true show us the sex scenes because they're great and they're good for tv but they had the conversations too he knows about the jezebel letters they said that in script he clearly know, i mean he knows about hannah obviously he knows he's asked about hannah's dad he knows about these things they just don't have time to show us all that true but yeah she becomes real at the end of season two like you're saying no nothing is real until you see it 
Well, I, I don't mean that he didn't believe her, you know, but like what I mean is just the reality just you know, smacks you in the face. No, I don't mean that either. It becomes more real, though, when you see somebody, you know, even when it's a baby, like, I don't know, even when I'm having a baby, it, you, you have the baby and then it's a very, very real thing. Yeah. It's no longer an idea that is lovely. Um, but no, I think when he saw Hannah, it became very real. And you could see that with, through the tears in his eyes. It was a big moment for him. And I love that scene out in the snow. I mean, I hate it, too. It's awful. The worst scene. When Hannah's taken away from her again and he runs to her and drops his knees and he's holding they're holding on to each other so tightly like it's just a, it's a huge moment and of course from you're right that that he's I'm sure his drive for Hannah information grew from that moment on and it did because they cut out of the season three scripts the fact that he was trying to get her and uh was working with McKenzie. Commander McKenzie mm-hmm. yeah. yes and then the testaments came out which is um, the sequel Margaret Atwood wrote. And it was a dramatic swerve on their direction of plot. We won't say what happened, but it changed the direction of the plot. And they cut those scenes where Nick was trying to get close to Commander McKenzie. And I would have loved to see that. That would have been. Yeah, I mean, at least we got the file because he didn't have to do the file once he knew, you know, June was out of. Yeah, he's still. He yeah. did it. So, I guess he said, "I never thought I would give this to you in person." I he was just doing it to be a good man, you know. That killed me. <laughs> I know, me too. Yeah, that killed me. Yeah. So Nick looks disappointed in this episode that he doesn't have any information. He looks like a failure, and he in the future succeeds. Okay, I think that's a wrap on our deep dive into season two, episode three. Thanks for hanging out with us. And we'll see you next week when we talk about season two, episode four. Bye. You know, I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about it all the time. Please, it's terrible. No, it's not. I know Jim. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty. Thanks. I wore it just for you. Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. What about you? Your girlfriend is a badass. 